40 Lessons. Episode 28 of the 40 Lessons podcast. My name is Todd B. Waldo. Thanks so much for tuning in and checking out another episode. Each episode, we highlight a nonprofit or a special event in town that is supporting some mission or some really great cause. And today, we are highlighting the Peter Paul Development Center. If you want to have your organization or your event featured on a podcast, please reach out to me, Todd, at ToddBWaldo.com. So the Peter Paul Development Center, its mission is to support the residents of the East End and educate its students, equipping them to serve as positive contributors to their family, community, and society. They exist to educate the child, engage the family, and empower the community. If you want to learn more about who they are, the programs they're offering, opportunities to volunteer, or to even contribute to them and provide resources to them, you could do that. PeterPaulDevCenter.org. PeterPaulDevCenter.org. Damon Jiggets, he serves as the center's executive director. Damon brings a proven record of accomplishment with a background in organizational development, fiscal management, personnel development, and community relations. Under his leadership, Peter Paul programs continue to expand, including an after-school program at the neighboring Fairfield Court and Woodville Elementary Schools that takes the best practices from Peter Paul experience to the students in the satellite location. His attention on strategic growth is pointing the organization to its dream of surrounding the neighborhood with a unified community of support so that children thrive and reach their potential. And Damon is my special guest on this episode of 40 Lessons. So let's go now to my conversation with Damon Jiggets, Executive Director over at Peter Paul Development Center. We are friends. Yes, sir. We know each other. Yes, We've known indeed. each other for a while. I don't remember how I met you. Probably out and about in the East End nonprofit stuff. Uh, Do you remember how we met? You know, um, I think I first became acquainted with you through um, TEDx, one of those TEDx. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 <gasps> oh, maybe a viewing party. Has it been that? It's, it was maybe. a while ago because... Shortly thereafter, I did what was that? TEDx Gray Street. You did do TEDx Gray Street. Yeah, yeah. so it was before that even. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was 2013. All right. So a few years. Right. And we've gotten to know each other better over right. over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see you as this just great friend and colleague in service to this community, and I appreciate you jumping in and being part of the Forty Lessons podcast. Uh, I like to imagine. If I was gonna cast the movie, if mm-hmm. I was gonna do the story, I'm not gonna. This is the wrong title. Okay, it's got to be better than this. All right, the story of Damon. Wow. Right? Who, who would you cast? I know who I would cast <laughs> as you. Um, who would you cast to play you in your own autobiography? It's the movie about you. Oh, man, <laughs> you, you know, and so you already kind of stated. I did. I got. I got it in my head. Yeah, 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 and, and it's it's interesting because um, you know on Facebook they have these um, you know, things kind of trend from time to time, and right. there was this one a couple of years ago where like who do you most resemble? Who do you mm-hmm. see yourself as, or whatever? You know, so I put out there, Common was one of them. Yep, Red Man surprisingly was another one. If 
Yeah, I can see that. If I you can had see Red seen, Man. if you if you knew me back when, yeah, then you could definitely say I, I can see now. Just more hair, more I can hair, see Red Man. more hair. I was definitely personality back. not. Hey, yeah. you'd be surprised though, really? Ty. But I'm really, I mean, I'm suiting Ty. <laughs> You know, most of the time, but I'm really baggy jeans, sweatshirt, okay. Tim, Tim's kind of guy. All right. Really, really. And when I'm in my comfort zone, that's, that's, that's me. You're red man. Okay. Yeah, I don't like to be dressed up. So I would say Common. Common who is that's who my I'm, man. You got the bald head now. That's right. the look. So that matches. Common or Nas. Either one of those. Okay. Either one of this those. This is all hip hop. All hip hop. <laughs> all all right. hip hop. All hip hop. Mm-hmm. Okay. How, what's the, so? What's the opening mm-hmm. scene? So we mm-hmm. there's there's a man, there's a woman. These are your parents. Like, how does this scene unfold? Were you entering into the world forty some years ago? Ah oh, man, um, what are your, what are your folks doing in the world? Yeah, so it's my mom. Mm-hmm. Let's just start there. It's, it's it's my mom and my grandmother to be uh, specific. Okay, the grandmother was the rock of my of my of my home, um, and my mother was um an example yeah um an example of what a real woman should be strives to be mm-hmm. um and she showed me examples unfortunately of what men shouldn't be you know through her ah. experiences with men uh who came through her lives and consequently came through my life yeah um so i was exposed to men who um weren't that example yeah of what a of, of what a strong black man should be, mm. you know, and so early on, um, I, I I started to form my own opinions um, about right and wrong, yeah, um, about um, how to strive towards success despite your environment, yeah, and those influences. Where so where is this? <clears throat> this is in the this is in the 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 um, the, the large. City of South Boston, Virginia. South Boston, Halifax County. Okay, is where my um is where my family, my extended family resides. Okay. I spent some time in my, um, you know, you know, teen years in Danville. That's where I graduated. I graduated high school in Danville, Virginia. Okay. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you know the Bar- the Barnes brothers, Reggie and Emmanuel. Reggie and Emmanuel. I'm they, not sure. Around similar ages. Okay. Danville. All right. Well. Twins. Ran track. Wow. I ran track. So I wonder when they graduated. You got to know them. You got to know them. Oh, man. Went to NC State with me. Okay. Uh, they finished, I guess, 90, 91, 90, somewhere finished, in there. Finished NC State? Finished at, at Danville and went to oh, State. So they entered They're State. a little ahead of me. I graduated a little bit. Yeah, but around, yeah right. but around, we graduated around the same time. Gotcha. Okay. But around that time, because we were just, you were a year apart. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. But, Couple years ahead Probably. of me, but it's all good. Probably. All right, all right. Yeah. Um. So, do you did you know your dad? Did you grow up with him? And so, how to give you the abridged version? Of that. I mean, gosh, I mean, you got me thinking about I me. Mean, it could be a movie. <laughs> I mean, because I mean, there's no short answer to my yeah. life. I mean, there's no short answer in any aspect of my life. There's yeah. just not some sort of just set path. Right. Like I didn't, I didn't know who my father was until I was 16. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And was that something that you initiated, that journey of discovering who he was? No, my mom, I came home from school one day and I was sitting on the couch watching TV and my mom just sat down and said, I need to share something with you. The man whom you thought was your father is not your father. Wait, wait. Yeah. So wait, so you grew up with a man who you thought was... See, man, that's not even the short end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah, 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 yeah. Jeez. Okay, so 
part part of me going back to this right. part of your life is uh, very influential. Well, that's what I'm that's what I'm guessing. My guess is there's something that was deposited in you, mm-hmm. right? I I talk often about my journey and mm-hmm. and, and who I was and um, sacrifices that my parents made to secure right. this future. Right. Those are lessons that I I learned as a child that mm-hmm. still yeah bear fruit in my life today. Right. If you think about that beginning of, of your story, are there lessons that are still yeah. like every oh, day? Oh man, it's it's one that is ingrained in my life right, right now, and it's and it's simplistic in in, in how I speak about it. Okay. So if you can imagine coming out of your front door of your house, jumping over the hole in huh. your porch, yeah, jumping over the hole on your porch, mm-hmm. and trying to make another jump over the red mud at the bottom of the stoop. Okay. All right. That was my daily journey to the school. Hmm. Can you get it? Can you, can you envision what that looks like coming out your door, jumping mm-hmm. over the hole that's in your porch, right? Taking another step and then jumping over the red mud every day, every day. Yeah. Right. That's something that's ingrained in my mind. Um, that, uh, it, it causes me to reflect on, I didn't know that I was poor. Huh. I didn't know. That I, I didn't. It was just a thing, you right. know. And um, so there's that. There's that kind of image. That that idea <clears throat> of um, not knowing what poverty is, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. sometimes I know for me, <laughs> I I recognize I was different mm. when I got around peers. Mm-hmm. So when we all wore uh, the same kind of clothes, uh, we had the same language, yes. same struggles, right. and then I went to an all white school. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, this is a weird one to remember. Um, the kids were talking about a movie they had watched. I don't even remember what the movie was. Mm-hmm. But they had they had seen it, and I hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. I was like, what, is, what are you guys talking about? Oh, it's this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I hadn't seen that mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Little things. It's little experiences I just didn't have. Right. Um, was it the comparison that did it? Like, what, how, what, was, this, what was your clue that oh oh this is poor this is, oh this is not supposed to be a hole in the porch like everyone's people got steps yeah <laughs> so I, I i didn't know i was poor until i got um into until i made the traveling team the, the for my um the, the local soccer team it was a traveling team right oh okay and this was at uh 10 years old okay everybody else on the team was 12 13 i was 10 and i was soccer stupid soccer man <laughs> so that's different danville virginia are there black soccer players in danville virginia hello you met right. one it is one and only <laughs> all right so you know that was like okay i'm different right there yeah off top you know but so i didn't become aware of the fact that i was poor until um we started going on these on these trips, you know, mm. and like my mom could never go. Someone would always have to come pick me up and bring me home. Yeah. You know, then people are like, oh, we're going to we're going to stop by Burger King. We'll get you something to eat. And I'm like pissed off about it. Like, why are these people buying right. me food? I, you know, I'm taking it because I'm hungry. Sure. You know, but that's when I it came to the realization. And then also I always always felt like I was different. Mm-hmm. Only black kid on the soccer team, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I was poor. Everybody else, you know, riding in their station wagons and everything else. And I'm riding with them, you know. And so it was just like, okay, hmm. I really started to really analyze and think about all of that. And the way that that I responded, man, of all things, was around the time that uh, Public Enemy became popular. Yeah. And um, 
I, I was really being introduced um, to hip hop around that time. Mm-hmm. And so I became this militant okay. on the soccer team. Yeah. So, you know, a couple years later, 11, 12, 13 years old, I'm still the only black kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got this hot top fade. <laughs> you know, and are you wearing a medallion? Or did you get no doubt? Out? I yeah. did, yeah, okay. all that. You know, and so I would bring my boombox on the trips, oh. and I'm blasting Public Enemy, right? Yeah, and they could not stand me, huh? But I was good. Okay, so this so they could this, do. <laughs> so you're because I didn't I, that didn't happen to me until I got to college. Mm, I, I was had a, 13. I, I had a very similar term, but it was much later in life for me. Did you see that? Like this? Mm. So I guess because my first images of hip hop were more around like the graffiti thing was first right. and then the music thing because I was coming out of New York. So I, then the music came and then later, you know, we, we started to see in, images in magazines and TV. And so yeah. then you got an image of what the culture was, look like, yeah. was looking like. How did you figure out, like, I guess between album covers and just like you had to model. Yeah. It, you know, it gave me that. an immense sense of pride. Yeah, you know, as opposed to, I guess this is debatable, but the music doesn't really in, in, in like um, infuse you with a, a high sense of pride and culture, and mm-hmm. you know, um, comfort with being black. You yeah. know, back then it really did, and it fo- it really kind of forced me to embrace who I was, the difference. You know, um, how I was different than everyone around me. Yeah, and I mean, that was everything. Like my mother did a wonderful job of um, making sure I was exposed to a number of opportunities, so Boy Scouts. <clears throat> mm-hmm soccer or basketball you name it i was into everything okay um and uh and poor <clears throat> and poor poor being exposed to all these different activities yeah and That's so it, it got to a point where i was comfortable in my own skin yeah you know um and so i mean even in in my career today you mm-hmm. know i'm just as comfortable in a boardroom as i am on the block yeah you know have no problems with it at all and i really um, attribute a lot of that to just my upbringing, mm-hmm. you know, in the midst of all of the um, the opportunities that were out there, the things that I couldn't access, yeah. um, the experiences, the relationships I had, good and bad, all have really <clears throat> influenced who I am. And my therapy then and my therapy today is is still hip hop. All right. So let's do it. Since we here, give me your top five. Right now, let's, let's or just we in it. Let's just do it. Give me your top five. Let's no. Let's because let, it's too wide. Let's go. Just top five MCs. Top five. Top MCs. five. Give me your top five MCs. All right, I'm gonna go. Biggie, Nas, Black Thought, um, Common, and I'm gonna I'm gonna offend someone in here. <laughs> um. Oh my gosh, who would be fifth? Um, Andre 3000. Ah, you got a six man who's coming off the bench if you got a six? I got to say Method Man. All right. That's a dope five. All I right. Mean, yeah. My but, five. So, uh, Jay. Mm-hmm. Biggie. So, we matched there. Mm-hmm. Black Thought. So, mm-hmm. we're, we're there. Um, Rakim. Ah. Oh. That's a good one. Yeah. And then um sometimes common, like sometimes common sometimes will sit as a six uh-huh. to, to to pull it in. Um, but we'll put we'll put common right there. Um off the bench. I like your Andre. Andre was dope coming off the bench. Um I'm going new. I'm going with Kendrick. 
Okay. Because he, right. he, it, it resonates. Yeah. It resonates with me. Today, mine would, you know, see, you know, I would either go Dave East or um, Saha the Prince. Ah. Yeah. You know, so either, you know, straight Harlem or <laughs> <laughs> taking it to the A, you know, but um, those, the, in terms of lyrical content. Yeah. And storytelling, I mean, they're, they get my respect right now. Mm-hmm. All right. Shout out to the Cheats movement. I know he will appreciate that Yay. portion. Shout <laughs> out to Cheats. What's good, he man? He will appreciate that portion <laughs> that we just did doing the top five. Right, right. So, <clears throat> so the things that you experienced in your youth are still resonating today. Mm-hmm. And a big part of, of this is time with family. Mm. And so um, you have your... Um, your responsibilities now as a grown man mm-hmm. and you and your dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, oh man, how do you navigate becoming a father, learning what it means to be a dad mm-hmm. and you meet your biological father was 16. You have mm-hmm. these, this other man who is, I guess, dad to you and yeah. other, yeah. other men. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> so how, how, so you stepped into fatherhood. Right. Like, how do you figure With that? No out? model. Yeah, like yeah. how do you figure that out? Is you just, you just, just dead. It's love, I just guess. Dead. But I, like it's this. Like I wear this weight on my shoulder at work. Yeah. But also in terms of how I approach fatherhood, of just dead set on proving any preconceived notions mm. of what I can be or what a black man could be or shouldn't be. We just want to prove it all wrong. Mm. You know, so there's that there's that drive that's that I that I just wear on my shoulder of just like <clears throat> if I put my mind to anything, whether it's fatherhood mm-hmm. or Peter Paul Development Center, um, just wanted to make sure that I knock it out the park. Just for the simple fact that I've seen examples of it not being done correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't want to be that. You know, I don't want to be an example of, you know, falling short, not doing it correctly yeah. or whatever the case may be. Is that the same? Does that kind of come from that same place of you when you were younger? Absolutely. High top fade, boombox. Ah, like what? you're not gonna tell me. Exactly. Me, I know who I am. Yeah. And now even more so as a dad saying, no, 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 I'm gonna do it like this. You can't mm-hmm. tell him that I can't do. That's won't right. Do. That's how I approach anything. Yeah. Any and everything I approach with this kind of just this unwavering like you I will not be denied if I set my mind to it I will not be denied just and I never have I mean it's just once I'm focused once I'm committed to something like that you know man it's it's like okay let's let's go and if I don't have that type of challenge if it's something that's not motivating me Mm -hmm. then I've got to leave it alone okay you know that's um, your clue mm mm-hmm yeah yeah, if yeah. it doesn't evoke that emotion, mm-hmm. I won't touch it. How do you how do you balance this? Because you're you're deeply engaged in, mm-hmm. the, in this community, um, but you got to go home. But know? here's the thing: here's the thing. How do you, how do you balance that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm less engaged in the community now than I've ever been. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So before, particularly before my son mm-hmm. got a little older, he's 11 now. Okay, but you know. Um, when he, you know, before he was born, of course, um, and up until about four or five years old, I mean, I was 
out in the community supporting everything I could, just yeah. spreading myself thin, you know, all over the place, just trying to be anything I could for, to, with anyone mm-hmm. that was willing to engage with me. Uh, but then I focused. I had to refocus on him and on my daughter. I, 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 my daughter's great, wonderful child, mm-hmm. but as my son, you know, that, that was different for it you. was different. You know, it, it was different for me. Um, and so I've coached him in every sport he's ever played, mm. you know, um, t- the entire teams, you know, camps, whatever it was, whatever he was engaged in. It's kind of my point. Yeah. I'm not going to sit on the sideline. I'm going to be the head coach, huh. you know. And so that's that's how I've approached it, you know. Um, and so now that he's a little older, mm-hmm. you know, um, he has certain skills, you know. And so I'm like, OK. Now is the time for me to back off, mm-hmm. all right, allow other coaches to, you know, get at him, talk to him, right. work, and so he can respond to other coaches and other adults and that kind of a thing. But it also allows me an opportunity to re-engage the community now that my children mm-hmm. are older. So that's what's pulling me right now. It's pulling me back into the community to the extent that I was, that I was accustomed to okay. before my kids got a little older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think you're... If, if your kids are watching you and, and looking at the things you're doing, what do you think they're picking up from you? Wow, it's, it's funny you mention it because um, my daughter sent me a video that she made of just clips that she had found on just Googling my name. Oh, clips of you? Yeah. She did a little, she did a little reel. She yeah, did. she did it. So, like, she's, she's an art, she's very artistic. Really? That's yeah, cool. Very artistic. Yeah. So, she created this whole, like, slide presentation and music, the whole nine. Yeah. And just based on stuff that she found online, you know, so any videos, yeah. images, whatever the case may be. Um, and she pulled it all together. And I said, so what'd you think about all that? Right? Mm-hmm. And she said, she said, bruh. You famous, yo. (laughs) And that's exactly what I did. I was like, not quite, you know. She's like, not quite. You know, what do you, what do you, what'd you get from all of that? And she's like, you know, I knew, I knew that you helped people, and Mm -hmm. you know, I've seen, I've been to your job, I've seen what you do and whatnot, but you know, I didn't know that you were like out there like that. Mm -hmm. Like, this is important. The work that you do is really important. I'm like. Well, thank you. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. You know, if for her to come to that realization was very gratifying. Gratifying for me. Uh, my son, on the other hand, he just can't. He hates walking around. We go to a store, yeah, or whatever the case may be. And I got to stop and talk to someone. Oh my god, how many people is he going to run into today? <laughs> like we ran into you at the museum or something that's like right. that. They were like, "Oh, that's number four. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Daddy always knows somebody. Yeah, yeah, which is, I think that's important, though. You know, I think that that, that is really, um, again, just being comfortable in who I am and being comfortable around people. I think that, I think that educates them on yeah. on on certain things. Speaking mm-hmm. of educating them, when you look at this, you have this really great lens on on not just here in the East End where you have a lot of your focus, but your work extends across the the city or the region, sometimes even statewide, and when you have that lens of the challenges that are here, the opportunity that's here, and you're educating your kids, right? So you you live a certain life yeah. that your kids aren't stepping over holes. No. Right? You secured that for them. Like, you've worked hard, you're educated, you have a career. They're not stepping over holes to go to school. But you still have to educate them on this world. And I'm, my guess is your education for your son may be a little bit different than your daughter. But what... 
what are you teaching them? How, how are you drawing on your yeah. place in this world and teaching your teaching your children? Yeah. So there's 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 one level of awareness that we get um, by working in communities like the community I serve here in in the East End. Mm-hmm. In terms of the haves and the have-nots, what poverty is um, in the United States, there's a whole other lens that I've experienced in traveling overseas and you know, like mission work and that kind of mm. a thing. That's a whole other level of poverty, yeah. right? And so my perspective has shifted in terms of our capacity to move beyond some of our challenges. Mm-hmm. I, I really see it as possible, you know, like you know, structures and policies related to. Um, you know, equity in education or policies around housing or just poverty and the culture of poverty, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and all of that <clears throat> encompasses are things that are, aren't insurmountable. Mm-hmm. If places around the world in far dire situations are able to um, rise above, move, move beyond, mm-hmm. you know, experience relative, you know, success and growth and moving out of their impoverished situations or whatever those situations may be. And so the, the perspective is vast, right? And yeah. so I go back to my son, we ride in the car one day and I was getting on him about um, having not completed an assignment that mm-hmm. was due. And I was just on and on and on about that. And um, he's like, God, my life is just so hard. And I, sn- <laughs> yeah. I snapped, you know, I was yeah. like, I was, your life is hard. I'm going to show you what hard is. Let me take this, 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 since you, since you don't understand how privileged you are. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, and so I, I told him like, look, the stuff that you have, like, you don't know what struggle is, man. You mm-hmm. know? And I said, I said, honestly, hold up before I get on you, I need to smack my own hand because I've allowed you to have this perspective. Mm. You know what I mean? And so I had to reevaluate. You know, how do I make sure that he is appreciative, but he understands, um, you know, one, where where I've been and how hard I've worked to get him to where he is, where he doesn't have to struggle or, or mm-hmm. want for anything, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but there's a responsibility that comes with that. You know, if you if you are, I'll just use the word privileged again. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't even like it sounds funny even saying it as yeah. a black man saying privilege, but he's doing all right. Right. He's yeah. in a good situation. Yeah. You know, so what does that mean in terms of how you give back, how you show up in your own community, you know, as a kid mm-hmm. and in, in, in relationship with other black kids, all those kinds of things. And so <clears throat> when and so when I'm, 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 I'm thinking about all of that. It's important. It's important to me that they understand who they are. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the the lessons that I'm having to teach right now to my kids, particularly again my son, um, is he is at the end of the day a black boy mm. growing up in a, a society that still hasn't embraced him. Mm-hmm. You know, despite all of the advancements we've had, all of the setbacks, the challenges we still have, um, he's still a black boy. Yeah, um, and I want him to be okay with that. Yeah, proud about that, and show up living into that despite what others may think. Mm-hmm. And so it's important for me to make sure that he understands that, you know, how he shows up, how he presents himself is very important mm-hmm. to dispel any myths that may be out there. You know, if he's going to be a representative, you know, then be exactly who you were, you were taught to be, you yeah. know, prepared to be, you know, and, and, and don't, and don't be anything less than that. So I, I, I struggle with not putting too much on them. Yeah. Um, 
but there's just so much potential in not only my kids, but the kids at Peter Paul, you mm-hmm. know, as I see it. And so whenever I see them, it's like slightly slipping. I jump on them really, really hard and really, really quick, you know, <laughs> just to pull them back in. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's just because, you know, it's, it's just because I expect so much of them and they have the capacity to be great. Yeah. You know, and we shouldn't accept anything less of any of our kids, regardless of where they reside, because there are kids in far worse, worse situations than anything we've got here in the East End. Mm. And it's hard to say because this is a terrible situation in many ways. But it's not insurmountable. Yeah. I've seen insurmountable. Mm. You know, this is not insurmountable. So, I mean, as adults, we need to be holding ourselves even more accountable for, you know, making the changes, you know, having the political will, mm-hmm. you know, to really make the difficult decisions we need to make. And we just haven't really done that. And then we look at the kids and wondering why they're not performing and yeah. why we're still having a cycle of poverty. Well, that's us. Right. <laughs> when you when you think about some of those difficult decisions, um, what's one, one or two that if we had the the will, if we took the risk sometimes to to just decide so I'm a to bit, do right yeah i'm a bit jaded you know being in you know in somewhat of the um the realm of education mm. um but I, I truly believe our next civil rights movement will be around education mm-hmm. um and you know if if there were something it's like why not aim high right sure so and you just talk me off of this ledge if need be but in terms of political will and the, uh, a policy that I feel would be very pivotal in mm-hmm. changing the trajectory of all students mm-hmm. would be uh, the, the the funding fun formula, the composite index formula that de- determines local yeah. funding, um, which has been in place since the 1800s. It hasn't changed, mm-hmm. um, and it adversely affects um, urban school districts like ours here in, in the city. Um, so at what level? Would we need to attack that right. um, to, you know, equal the playing fields in terms of funding allocations? Mm-hmm. Um, it would be the one that kind of rises up yeah. um, for me. That's a good one. I, I, you know, for I look at how I had to I had to move in order for me to go to a better school. I did too. Right, and so late seventies, early eighties, that, and maybe there were, but I did not know of a of a Peter Paul. Mm-hmm. Right, there was not people around saying, "Hey, this school in Linden's really bad, mm-hmm. so we're gonna interject. We're gonna we're gonna come in alongside. Here's a mentor program, and mm-hmm. here's a tutor. Mm-hmm. We raised some money, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Folks weren't doing that. You right. moved. Mm-hmm. You just went to a different school, right? And so that was because of the inequity with funding was mm-hmm. just one part of that. Mm-hmm. That one school got resources, the other one didn't, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think you're absolutely right. Looking at our funding is is a key part of it. Mm-hmm. How we train and develop teachers, mm-hmm. you know, how we orchestrate our classrooms, mm-hmm. how we determine a student's success. Mm-hmm. You know, is it passing a SOL test proves that you are a good student, mm-hmm. right? And and making sure every student measures up to that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot in there, mm-hmm. um, but I think funding is a big part of it because you don't have the money right. to get the resources you need to keep the facilities up. Right, right. That's 
that's a big part of it. And it shouldn't be predicated on gentrification, you know, sure. and people moving back into the community and purchasing properties. I mean, it's it's yeah. all based on tax revenues. I that's get right. it. But, you know, do we just wait around until the white folk move back into a neighborhood, right. you know, before before the uh, schools are infused with funding? But that's, that's the injustice. Right. right? That's the, what I'm the, saying. The, the injustice there of only when a community looks a certain way. Mm-hmm. So this... You know, this goes all the way back to the value ascribed to people who look a certain way. So mm-hmm. if you are brown, if you are if you are black, mm-hmm. certain value was ascribed to you mm-hmm. versus really being a white man. Like mm-hmm. that was the ultimate. That was at the top of the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And so how things were just organized were, were driven by that. And so now we are dealing with the repercussions of that. Yeah. And so until we see that as injustice, until we decide it doesn't matter what a school is. Mm-hmm. Every school in this area, there is equity. Mm-hmm. We train teachers, we develop them, we you know we arrange our classrooms. Every child mm-hmm. gets to take advantage of this level of education. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to create a specialty school for art, or a specialty school for music or sports, cool. Mm-hmm. But there's this baseline that yeah. we believe is right. 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 Mm-hmm. And every student has access to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's just not how our system's built. It's not, you know, and so uh, kind of back to that that weight on my shoulder. I either want to make sure that you truly see how worthy I am or the kids I serve, how mm-hmm. worthy they are of our best efforts yeah. and our best um, uh, contributions to their success. Or I want to make you all so uncomfortable with just <laughs> dealing with my comfort level and who I am yeah. and who they are that you have n- no other choice but to embrace it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so there's that piece, you know. So I want you to if I'm comfortable with hip hop music, then you gonna know it. Yeah, you, yeah. It's it's, it's kind of like that thing. And if I feel good about the kids I serve, then you're gonna know it. And when you walk into that building, you're gonna know that I speak for the kids I serve. And this is not some sort of like paternalistic guilt trip type service or anything mm-hmm. like that. No, this is because they're just like any kid from any other affluent community around this region or this country. Yeah, you know, they've just got a few more hurdles to jump along the way, you know, and if I'm being totally honest with myself and this is what I, this is what I talk about sometimes Mm. is that those hurdles prepare us to be even stronger Mm. and prepare them to be even stronger than their peers from more affluent communities. Cause like coaching my son's team Mm -hmm. out in the suburbs, right? Kids out there have no coping skills, Mm. you know, highest rate of, you know, prescription drug abuse Mm -hmm. in the state. So don't call my kids at risk. When all these kids are at risk for something, yeah, you know, it's just what resources and opportunities are in front of them mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, redirect them in a more positive way. And we've got a we've got a pretty steep hill to climb as far as that's concerned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things I try to do is to I want to give people hope. Yeah. Um, and and so sometimes the the state of affairs can seem hopeless. Mm-hmm. Um, as you think about individuals, just kind of. You know, the people you interact with, people, you know, who will, will listen. What's hope for them? Like what what's mm-hmm. something that that someone can do? If they're, if they're maybe just thinking about maybe education, thinking about, you know, that they're kind of a place here in the city and a difference that they can make. Like mm-hmm. what's what's a call for an individual that they can say, yes, I can hope in that and maybe I can pursue that as, as you know, you think about some of these challenges that are out there. <laughs> Well, if I'm thinking about um, those those I serve, whether they're children or their parents or residents in the community, it's it's you know how do we go about reminding them of their value mm-hmm. and that they have a value proposition for this community? You know, what can we 
pull out of them. So it's a it's about moving from enabling people to empower them. It's about asking the question of, you know, what can you do for you as opposed mm-hmm. to what can I do for you? So let's start there with just reminding people that they're not charity cases mm. um, and, and then holding them accountable for doing what they can do for themselves first before we lift a finger to do it with them and not to them, but with them. Mm-hmm. So not pedaling any faster than they're willing to pedal themselves. That's how we best serve our community as opposed to, um, you know, um, again, just give, 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 give that yeah. kind of a thing. You know, it really, re- it really reinstills a sense of pride in people. And I can't tell you how many times that, you know, we've, we've had, we get in relationship with uh, particularly parents, you mm-hmm. know, at, at Peter Paul and uh, we have these hard conversations, right. Yeah. And these tough moments, and, you know, even tears being shed and that, mm-hmm. and that kind of a thing. But there, there, you get to a point where there's a realization that one, we care for one another. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is so empowering, you know, so that we can walk with you to take that first step towards relative success. Yeah. And then the next one is is a lighter step and it's mm-hmm. a higher step, you know, and even if you fall back, we're still there to say, oh, whoa, 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 you forgot who you were. Mm-hmm. Let me remind you, Let me remind you who you are. Let me That's remind right. you who you are first before you start to like, oh, what was me kind of a thing again. Right. Because yeah. we all have our seasons and good and bad seasons. We all go through that. Yeah. You know, um, so there's that. But then if you if you're trying to figure out <clears throat> how can you um, be engaged in this in this community, what is the sense of hope here? There are I think there's much more willingness uh, within this community to um, come to the table mm-hmm. um, and have open and honest dialogue. So I'm hopeful about that. Yeah, um, I, I think we're getting to a point where we're getting uncomfortable enough that it provokes the change that we all talk about. Mm. And that's weird to say that that's hope, but yeah, I've been waiting for this, mm. you know, to, and I, I go, but like how uncomfortable can we get? Yeah. You know? And I think we're finally getting to a point and whatever provokes it, I hope it's not something totally traumatic, Sure, but whatever it is that kind of provokes the change that we've been talking about, um, I see it coming. Because regardless of where you reside, what your background, this community is becoming more and more aware, aware of the ills that mm. have been so persistent across our across our city. Yeah. Um, and so I think I think we're really poised to really, you know, pivot and make a change, a more impactful change as mm-hmm. opposed to just incremental changes and that kind of a thing. Yeah. So I'm really encouraged by that. Yeah, it's. I think about, you know, our, our children and Mm -hmm. my hope is that my daughter will be solving different problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There'll be something, there'll be something for her. I hope she's this young, amazing artist creating these great pieces and telling these great stories. I hope that's who she becomes. She's going to have something. Yeah. I just hope it's a different problem to solve. Yeah. You know, my, my, my mother tells me stories of her life. Mm hmm. I don't have to live in segregation. My mom did. Mm-hmm. The world around her changed. Right. Um, but there are still places where my my blackness mm-hmm. and and being a male sometimes mm-hmm. even um, gets a certain response. Right. Yeah. I'm not welcome in all places. Right. It's not segregation the way it used to be. Mm-hmm. But I still there are still places where it's like no, this is not somewhat you. covert. Yeah. Yeah. It's different now. Mm-hmm. Um. We're still dealing with violence. Right. Right. Maybe not at the same scale, mm-hmm. 
you could probably argue that honestly um but we're still dealing with that kind of violence yeah we still have inequities across race mm-hmm. and gender so there there's some things that i just hope even if even if it's just richmond like even if here in richmond we figure something out we start to model this for the rest of the country mm-hmm. that'd be amazing that her life in richmond could be different yeah and just different things and so i think our work really is about this next generation and so we might not see the fulfillment of it but it's we take these these steps forward yeah so that that i look to say just i hope she solves different problems yeah i mean just and so i took my kids to the um african-american museum of you know history and culture up in dc yeah and started at the bottom and went all the way up to the top mm-hmm. you know and we got up there and my daughter she's she she doesn't share her feelings too much, but when she says something, it's very profound. Mm. And she's like, "Dad, we're still marching." Mm. You know, that was the big comment that she made. Yeah. And she said, "We've done. We've been marching, and we're still marching." Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, we are. Yeah. You know. And then fast forward to a few weeks ago, her 16th um, birthday party. Right. Mm-hmm. Sweet 16, and she's got this room full of friends. It was like a rainbow coalition. Yeah. You know, yeah. and all of them dancing to the same music, <laughs> you know, having a good a white, black, Latino, Middle yeah. Eastern, just all in there having a ball. And I just sat back and watched. Yeah. I mean, it was all black or white for right. me. Right. You know, in my neighborhood, it was all black. You know, yeah. when I walked out of my neighborhood, it was all white. Yeah. You know, um, but just to see that like things change, man. And I, mm-hmm. I, I have to agree with you. I, I, you know, I hope. That their challenges, you know, their issues um, will be lighter, will mm-hmm. be different, um, and that they are, you know, if we're being the examples we need to be, um, then the way that they approach it will probably be a better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate you. Um, I'm glad this episode that we're doing <clears throat> follows the one that I um, released last because the last one was about, about models um, okay and actually my daughter and i we sat here at the table and kind of talked about role models and things um and you are a role model you who you are i think what i would do oh, if i, I, appreciate was, if, that, if I was creating I, this this is the vision <clears throat> i have um like footsteps from the porch or, you know i because you talk you you reference stepping a few times mm. right so i would probably like title your movie like steps from the porch to the sidewalk or something something in that in that vein and just how that sets up this life for you, and you're still helping people take steps from the sidewalk to the rest of their lives. Uh, something I like something in there with footsteps and puddles and holes and stairs and hope for people and building bridges. I don't know. There's something in there about taking steps. But at 15, I wrote a book. <laughs> oh, I wrote a book. It was called My Journey Through the Jungle. Okay, I can't find it. I didn't. It was. <laughs> if you have a copy of that, if you have book. a copy of that book, <laughs> holler at your boy. The lost copy. Of Damon is what was it called? My journey through the jungle. <laughs> My journey through the jungle. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if we can't find <laughs> along that, those lines, I mean, <laughs> but it, but I, I but I do. I, soon to be made into a movie. There you go. Uh, starring <laughs> Common or Method Man. I don't know. We see how the thing goes. Um, I just appreciate you. I appreciate who you uh, are. Appreciate you. Appreciate and, the opportunity. And you you really are. I I've I know you personally, and I know and I know the the man that you are, and the man of integrity that you are. But I get to see you out front and do your mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the last event that was at Peter Paul, it was mm-hmm. it was a fundraiser that was over mm-hmm. there. That was great. And you got up and you did your thing, and we were like, "Yeah, yeah, we got to give some money. This matters. <laughs> this is important." <laughs> Woo! 
like it was like but you pull that out of us oh, because man. it's it's real mm-hmm. and you do it in a way that really helps us see there there's this real opportunity mm-hmm. like yes it's hard yes mm-hmm. it's difficult and that's real mm-hmm. but guys there's this opportunity and mm-hmm. these children deserve it yeah yeah. And you live that, you breathe that, you model that for us. And mm-hmm. so I just appreciate you doing that and really holding us to to that standard of um, these are our children, right? Most deaf. These are our. Oh, most. U- Umi says. Uh-huh. Talks about shining your light. Yeah. You know, shine your light for the world to see. Yeah. It's like my, it's like my, it's like my, um motivational tune yeah but it just kind of gets me awake you know so you know even that night you know yeah. certain music that i listen to to just to kind of just get my mind right that was, that was your hype music that's my hype music <laughs> <clears throat> that night umi says most deaf yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so thank you thank you thank for who you. you are thank you for joining the 40 lessons podcast jumping in sharing your stories my with me. pleasure thank you so much for the opportunity absolutely man yes indeed special thanks once again to damon for jumping in and talking to me on the 40 Lessons Podcast. Make sure you go check out Peter Paul, peterpauldevcenter.org. Learn more about who they are and what they do and opportunities for you to join, volunteer, and support their mission. As always, your comments, uh, feedback, all that good stuff, you can send it to me. Hit me up, Todd, at toddbwaldo.com. Whatever you are doing, I hope you are taking care of yourself. And let's make sure we are taking care of each other. Until next time.